Welcome to this episode of Woman to Woman podcast series. Our guest today is Erin Russell, founder and CEO, healthcare leader and innovator. Erin is passionate about making healthcare better for consumers. She's the founder and CEO of Health Grizzly, a consumer-focused digital health startup. She was also the founder and general manager of Spotlight, an innovative venture focused on educating and facilitating the healthcare journey for consumers. She built ventures from ground up, leading operations, product design, marketing, and editorial. She's experienced at larger corporations with an established track record in leading brands and business units in the pharmaceutical industry. Hi, Erin. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, Divya. Thanks so much for having me. We want to get started with how you got your first job. So let's start there. How did you start your career? Yeah, so I... Uh, actually studied chemistry in undergrad. Uh, and by the way, even though I studied chemistry, I've never worked a day in my life as a chemist. <laughs> but I chose chemistry at the time because it was really what I loved and, and I followed my passion for it. And that's led me to where I am today. Uh, and so just going down the road, I would just say following your passion never is a bad choice. <laughs> it's always a good thing to do. I, uh, I started in chemistry and, and, you know, I realized as I was studying chemistry that the thing I liked more than anything else was in presenting my work and talking to others about the experiments and the different things that I was doing. And so I came up with this idea of working in the pharmaceutical industry and talking to doctors uh, in a sales role. And I literally, frankly, at the time, no one else in my family had been in healthcare had any experience in the pharmaceutical industry. And so I had no idea that it was a huge industry and that there was so much opportunity in it. I looked into it, obviously, there's a lot going on. Uh, and so I applied for a, a sales job in pharmaceutical sales and was really very focused on that when I was a senior in college. And getting, by the way, getting that job was actually, was actually not easy. I had no, obviously no sales experience. I was right out of college. I had a science degree, which, you know, didn't have any obvious, uh, close association, I guess, with sales. And so it was frankly a little bit challenging, but I was very dedicated to it. I applied and talked to everyone that I could at the time. And I actually applied for backup sales positions as well. I had a job offer, which I never took, uh, selling copiers to offices, <laughs> just so I could get the sales experience. And I was prepared to take that job if I had to. It's, it's interesting. One of my other guests recently, and she also went through pharma sales career route, she actually did sell copiers for six months before getting that first pharma sales <laughs> job. So that's interesting. That was your backup there you job. Go. Yeah, it, that it, was the backup. But thankfully, I was very grateful to have to have a job in uh, in pharmaceutical sales with Merck right out of college. So a lot of people in chemistry also end up on the pharma side, but definitely not on the sales side. As you said, you know, they are bench scientists, they are on the R and D side. So did any of your classmates end up on the other side of the aisle within pharma? Yes, uh, many of them did, a lot of them in the research area. I mean, most of the people who end up majoring in chemistry and being very serious about it, which I was, by the way, I did an honors thesis. I was like, I, I was working in the lab all the time. I really loved it. Almost everyone else uh, ended up going to get their PhD in chemistry and many of them went into, went into industry. And, and, and pharmaceutical industry is obviously a common landing place. Uh, and so it's it's very, very common. And by the way, I think I would have loved that too. It's just at the end of the day, uh, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, I really felt kind of lonely in the lab. I, I love people. I'm a very outgoing, people-oriented person. 
and so uh, chose the sales route and more of the commercial business route as a result. So clearly you had a plan coming out of college. You wanted to do sales. You wanted to do sales in pharma. Did everything go according to plan? No, it did not. Uh, though I did have a very detailed plan and my initial plan I executed on very well. So I'll say that. Look, my, my plan was always to graduate, to go into sales for a few years. My original plan was to spend two years in sales and then go back to business school, get my MBA, come out, do marketing or product management for a pharmaceutical firm and rise to the level of COO or CEO of a pharmaceutical company. That was my plan. And by the way, I executed on that. I ended up spending four years in sales because I liked it so much. Uh, but then I did go back to business school, got my MBA, came out, worked in marketing. I was on track uh, and it was great. I really, I really enjoyed it. I continued to have increasing opportunities and responsibilities and rose within the commercial organization of a couple of different pharmaceutical companies. But then, you know, it's hard to plan for everything that happens in life when you are just graduating college. I mean, you know, there's no way of knowing what you'll think about or how you'll think about things when you're older. And especially, frankly, uh, for me, the big turning point was shortly about a year after my oldest daughter was born. You know, my my kind of calculus, if you will, of the way I thought about spending my time just was completely turned on its head. And all of a sudden, the work that I had loved so much and that I had found so much meaning in started to, in the travel associated with it, et cetera, frankly, it started to lose some of its some of its appeal when I had a different demand on my time. And so I started to consider other other options uh, and, and I pursued them and they led me to where I am today, which is at an even more exciting and better place. And so in the end, even though I failed, I suppose, in executing on my plan, I'm not the CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Uh, I am the CEO of another type of company in healthcare, but I am very happy with where it's led me. So everything worked out. <laughs> it definitely did. But certainly there would have been no way for me to know, uh, know exactly how I would have thought about things or how things would have worked out. And so while I think, I think it's very important to have a plan, I'm a big advocate of always making a plan. It's also really important to be able to adjust that plan to be flexible and to revisit that plan from time to time, because the reality is that plan is going to change. Did you have kids while doing MBA or afterwards? It was afterwards. I came out from my MBA and worked for a couple of years and then ended up getting married and building our family. So once you had kids, did it change how you wanted to achieve the plan? Clearly priorities changed, as you mentioned earlier, there were a lot of other demands for your time. What was your prioritization criteria at that point, given that you had the family as well as a very demanding work? Yeah, it definitely changed. I mean, look, I'm uh, everyone finds their own way. And I think as you become a new parent and become a new mother, you know, you all of a sudden realize that there is this other huge demand on your time. Right. And so then you have to figure out how do I balance it all? And you know, it's, it's impossible for, for someone to do everything. It just is. There's only so much time in a day. That's a given. And so the most important decision that I make every single day, I've shared this with my teams uh, at work before, the most important decision anyone really makes in that day is how you spend that day, how you spend the hours and the time in that day, because that is the meaning of life. It's what you're going to do. And so as I started to think about how I would spend my time each day, after my daughter was born, I started to realize that I really wanted to be a very hands-on mother. 
but I also wanted to be a professional and work and have engagement in, in, in that way as well. And so the years following my oldest daughter, and then we ended up having a second daughter during those years, I was really pursuing a lot of different options. I, I tried working part-time and I loved that by the way, it was very good. It was awesome in terms of work-life balance, but it was frankly not as rewarding because the part-time job that I had found was just not as, uh, not as interesting and not as exciting as, as the full-time role that I had had previously. I tried starting my own consulting firm, which was very flexible and it was great. And actually I loved it. Uh, it was super fun to be able to work with a lot of different companies and be exposed to different parts of the healthcare ecosystem. But ultimately I'm a builder by nature. I'm an operator. I like leading teams and you don't really get to do that as a consultant. You're just giving people advice. So I, uh, I ended up coming back in and, and coming up with this idea for a venture, my last venture that I built and went back into a, a I guess a more traditional while be maybe being a little bit entrepreneurial type of a full-time role and absolutely love that. And it was the right time for me to do that. But going back, you know, at, with, with children, frankly, everything changes. <laughs> That's an obvious statement maybe, but it really does. The way you think about spending your time every day is, is different. What made you um, look more into the technology aspect of things? What, what got you interested there? So I really, really uh, got turned on to it during my time building my last venture. I, I came up with this idea of building an editorial content site that would help educate consumers and kind of facilitate their journey into their first treatment for, uh, and pitched it, it was funded by Allergan. It was a, it was a site called Spotlight. And, uh, and I built that from the ground up, really led the team. And it was such a fantastic experience and so wonderful to be able to see the impact that you can have in just talking to consumers, right? Thinking about people who are interacting with the healthcare industry as consumers and not as patients. Typically we all think about them as patients and, and really patients are just people, they're consumers. And so uh, I really got turned on to the power of the marriage between healthcare and technology during, during my time building that venture. And so that really led me to where I am today. In, in founding another health tech venture uh, called Health Grizzly. I um, am super excited about the, the ability to be able to kind of leverage healthcare and technology, bring them together to be able to help people find healthcare and to make healthcare better for, for consumers. So looking back, do you think you should have gotten into technology straight out of school or when you were in school? I mean, it would have been a different path and I may have ended up at the same place that I am today, uh, but then I would have missed all of the other exciting things and the things that I learned along the way. So I don't really wish that I had done it differently. That being said, I think technology is an awesome path. You know, I actually, I had learned to code when I was in undergrad and my minor was in business. Uh, of course, the languages I had learned to code at the time are kind of outdated now, but, uh, but, but certainly, you know, if, if you're someone who is interested in building things, interested in being creative, those are two really important things to have as a programmer, as someone who is a software engineer. And so if that's something that kind of drives you, then I would highly recommend learn how to code, see if you like it. And if you like it, you are literally set for life at this point. There are so many opportunities in technology, whether it's in healthcare or whether it's outside of healthcare. So we hear so much about women in STEM and there is this whole um, you know, perception that we need more women in STEM and there are programs to encourage that. What do you think about that? I think it's awesome. I mean, 
you know, I, I was obviously always in STEM, right? I loved chemistry from an early age and I was encouraged to continue it by my family and, and had a lot of resources to be able to do that. But a lot of people don't have those resources. A lot of women don't or girls don't have those resources. And so, you know, I think it's a very important thing. And I think it's also really important to portray women in STEM as the way they are, you know, and, and just because we happen to be you know, women, and we happen to be working in science, it doesn't mean necessarily that we have to necessarily make these crazy choices about, you know, working like 24 hours a day just to have a job in STEM. That's not the case. You are literally able to work the way you want to. You can make it happen. It is definitely possible. And certainly if you have a skill, if you have a degree in any sort of a field related to STEM, you are going to be able to go far. You just need to make sure that you do to yourself and consider what exactly it is that you want. So you refer to your childhood. How was your childhood? <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. I, I had a great childhood. I moved around a lot. And so that really uh, taught me how to meet new people and to kind of like make new friends. Uh, and that was a very valuable experience. I grew up with a brother and a sister and it was, you know, very idyllic in a lot of ways. As I think back to some of the things that I learned uh, in, you know, role models are a very, you know, common question. And, and my answer is the same answer you probably get from a lot of other people you interview, which is that my role models really were and continue to be my mom and dad. They taught me so much growing up and I learned a lot from both of them. The number one thing that I took from them really was the importance of having a work ethic. The value of money and the importance of working hard at whatever it is that you're doing is something that was really instilled in me, in me from a very early age. And, uh, and I carry that with me to this very day. My first job was, uh, I got my first job when I was 14. And I worked every single summer after that, during high school, during college. Uh, I, I never stopped working. <laughs> I even got a job one summer, by the way, when I couldn't get a job in chemistry in the summer between two of my years of college, I got a job working at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I was literally working the counter selling chicken to people because I needed a job. I couldn't get a job in something that would advance me professionally. And so I got a job in fast food so that I can make money. And I think it does show you skills, right? Because you're interacting with the end customer, nothing like working in a front line like that. You know, you learn different personalities. It, ta it taught me so much about how to meet people where they are. Actually, I met so many very interesting people that summer. And, um, and really, it taught me how to think about things from different perspectives. So it did. I, I learned a ton from that job. I think back to that regularly. And it was, I would have never had those experiences had I just said, oh, I'll sit this summer out. So during your career, um, did you have to face a lot of challenges because you were a woman? Were there naysayers, um, non-believers that you had to work with? First of all, as an entrepreneur, like literally you hear there are so many naysayers. <laughs> there are more naysayers than yaysayers, right? And so you just have to get used to that. And thankfully, I'm the type of person who is able to like ignore most of all of that. <laughs> um, and by the way, that's an important thing to be able to do. You have to be able to have confidence in yourself and believe in yourself. That being said, there is actually one comment that someone made at one point to me that really stuck with me. And I think back to it. And it was uh, as I was coming in to build my last venture, uh, someone mentioned to me that I must understand what it's like to kind of restart my life and come back into the workforce after having taken a few years, you know, quote unquote, off 
to build my family, even though, um, you know, I had been working that entire time and consulting and doing all sorts of other things. This was the person's perception of me as a person. And, you know, the reality is that comment just came from a place of complete ignorance and just makes absolutely no sense in this day and age. You know, the day, the age where you're looking at, you know, gaps in a resume as being an issue like that, we don't live in that age anymore. But that comment did stick with me because it reminds me that there are still are people out there who, who can think like that. And it's important to be able to put that into a box and to understand that people like that may be out there, but that they don't necessarily define who you are and that they are frankly just wrong. Coincidentally, we just had a discussion on this, you know, when you have a work gap, when you have a kid, right? Because you do want to spend some time with them and you come back and you have to face these perceptions. How do you really make it powerful to say, what have you learned even during that time? And um, so there there was a poster we just uh, released, I think, on the Woman to Woman Network was what has motherhood taught you? And those were like eight key things. To your point, without kids, life is very straightforward. You are focused on your career. You're trying to go with your plan and achieve something. And then suddenly there's a curveball, but it teaches you so many incredible skills. It really does. I, I, you know, I have to say, I am definitely a better leader now that I'm a mother than I was before. You can even ask people who worked for me. There's there's actually one person who worked for me before I was a mom and then worked for me again in a different role at a different company after I was a mom. And she would say that. She would definitely agree with that. I am a definite, I'm definitely a better manager and a better leader now that I'm I am a mother. So along the way, did you have any um, core beliefs that you held on to? Definitely the beliefs and values that I really live by. Number one is to be authentic, to be yourself. That's that's super important. The second is to do the right thing. Integrity really does matter at the end of the day, and you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror. Number three, it's to help others. It's really important to, to help others, whether it's just a small thing like holding the door open for them or whether it's a bigger thing like trying to get them a job. Helping others is, is really what, what this life is all about. If you had to do something completely different, what would that be? Would you be a chef? Would you be a singer? <laughs> Well, first of all, I would never be a singer. I have an awful, awful singing voice, <laughs> though I do really like to karaoke. But, um, you know, if I ever karaoke, you'll understand that people just kind of like generally laugh. No, if I had to do something else that would be completely different, I think it would be something that would be the creative bent. It would either be a designer or uh, potentially a chef. I actually love to cook. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm not a baker, but I, I am a cook and uh, love to cook. And so that would be a lot of fun. So I know where I need to go for the next dinner. <laughs> yeah, there are actually a lot of similarities between chemistry and cooking. Uh, and the reason I'm actually good at cooking is why I wasn't so great in chemistry labs. I like to kind of tweak things and kind of, you know, add a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And by the way, doing that in a chemistry lab is not necessarily always the best thing. What do you look for when you hire people? Well, you know, I, I have very definite uh, views on this, you know, in terms of hiring. I love to hire people. I think it's super fun to build teams. And when you're hiring someone for a role, the first thing you have to do, even before you, you know, write the job description is literally to think about like, what it is that I'm looking for, right? Like, what is that job that I'm looking to fill? And what are the basic skills that person needs to have? And that needs to go into the job description. And then when hiring people and interviewing them, you have to screen for that. And that really should be done at the beginning as much as possible to screen for that ahead of time or to, to include as part of the interview process, 
you know, something where they can submit something in writing or you can give them some sort of, you know, quote unquote, in the editorial world, it's like an edit test, something where you can just make sure they have the minimum requirements to be able to actually execute and do the job that you're looking to do. That's the first step. And that can even be done, frankly, before you even talk to someone. You really just want to make sure that you have someone who fits the bill. Then after that, what's really great about interviewing people is you can just interview them to try to get to know the person, to assess fit with the culture of your organization, within your team, and to really look for the type of person who you want to have fill that role. And the answer to that, frankly, is going to be different depending on your team and depending on your role. You know, sometimes you're going to be looking for someone who's more of the, you know, can do, I drive for results and I get it done type of a person. Other roles and other specific teams, you may be looking for someone who's more like, you know, blue sky thinking and, you know, uh, more on the softer skill side. And so there's not like one size fits all. Uh, but it's important, I think, to do it in that order, to first make sure you screen for skills. And then after that, really spend the time and getting to know the character of the person and to, to, to bring in someone who fits what you're looking for. It's more and more we hear it's the cultural fit that matters. You can have a brilliant person, but if they don't fit culturally into your organization, if they don't fit into the team, it's better to let them go and have somebody who does. That's right. Because ultimately, if you have a team that's working well together, that's really, you know, cohesive, then you're going to end up doing and accomplishing so much more than if you have a group of people who are individually maybe incredible and even better, but not really working together. Uh, yeah, the whole money ball effect, right? That's right. That's right. When you see a lot of women at work, do you see any patterns where you think as women, we should work towards improving or developing those kind of um, attributes? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, it's really important for women to remember to have confidence, like believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, no one else is going to. <laughs> that's that's the truth. And that's really, I mean, that's true for anyone, woman or man. But ultimately, I think a lot of women have self-doubt and don't have that confidence. And so I would just, I would just encourage everyone to always believe in yourself. You are literally, you should be your biggest cheerleader and, um, and to take that to heart. And I know it's hard. I know that some days there's going to be those days of self-doubt. We all have them. Everyone has every single successful person, woman or man has these days. Uh, but, and that's okay. But, but in terms of your like outward facing persona, like have that confidence. And I think that one little change can make a huge difference. And in terms of people coming out of school and they want to do something in healthcare on the digital side, what path would you recommend? If you're coming out of school, first of all, congratulations. That's amazing. The, the number one thing you really should do when you're kind of like of that age is get a degree, right? Like get education. You know, I, I was reflecting on this just the other day. When you look at someone's resume, Resumes change, right? They change, they evolve over the course of someone's life, over the course of their career. Jobs actually fall off after it's been so many years. You don't see like my sales job on my resume really anymore because it's been a while. Uh, and so that changes. But there are two things that don't really change on the resume. Number one, it's your name. Your name is still there. And then the other thing that doesn't change is the letters. Letters after your name or the letters in the education section. Earning that degree actually make a certain industry, then get the education, go to graduate school if you can make that happen 
to to get those letters on after your name. And, and I guarantee you, you will not you will not regret that. That will definitely be a good decision. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is, if they want to get into di- digital health or health tech, you look. If if you're interested in being on the tech on the tech side or in, uh, you know on a dev team, learn how to code. If you're not a software engineer, that's okay. Go take some coding classes. There are a lot of boot camps available. It's an amazing place to be and a great quality of life and a lot of fun. I would highly recommend that. I think college also gives you a lot of longtime friends, right? You kind of bond with a few people, they stay with you throughout. And that's really the preliminary networks that we build in our lives. In your life, has that network played out and have you kept in touch with those friends or what really networking means to you? I think networking is very important. I try to focus on networking. I network a lot with people who I've worked with um, over the course of my career. And I think building that network from job to job or company to company is really important. And just keeping in touch, uh, obviously LinkedIn makes it very easy to do this. It's, it's, it's critical. But going back to your original question, you're right. By the way, my especially I think as a result of me moving around a lot growing up, all of my best friends are from college. And I've kept in touch with them. I have a handful of best friends from college. Uh, They're amazing. I feel so grateful to have them in my life. But I don't think of like working with them as networking. (laughs) They're my best friends. Uh, And so while them work in kind of similar areas and others don't, ultimately, uh, they continue to be a very important part of my life. And I continue to rely on them for support. And I think that that piece, I think, to have people in your network who are personally very supportive outside of, outside of your family, that's really important because there are going to be times when you need that. There just are. It's going to be difficult or you'll want to get someone's feedback, even if it's not someone who necessarily, you know, has experience with that exact situation or in that exact industry. You, you sometimes want to get someone's feedback who knows you really well, right? And, and those people are good for that. And I've relied on my friends to do that. No, they're great sounding boards. It's nice to have people in your corner, you know? So as a working woman, we all deal with this where you have situations where there is so much happening at work. There is so much happening on the family front. And of course, if you volunteer, you do other stuff, everything comes to you at the same time. What kind of systems have you built and what would you recommend for women in general to look for in those situations? Well, I mean, it's just like anything. So first of all, it's important to be, I think, organized and efficient as much as possible, right? So there are like little things that you can do, like figure out whatever works for you for a calendar. <laughs> and I know that sounds little, but it actually like it's it's a complicated thing when you have a family, you maybe have like a husband and a wife, let's say, and they both have jobs and different calendars. And then you have a personal calendar and then your kids have stuff going on. And I mean, actually like combining all of those calendars into one place is literally something that is a job in and of itself. And so figure out a system that works for you for that, so that you can keep yourself organized and on task and not let things fall through the cracks. Second thing is really just like anything else, like prioritize, you have to think about, you know, as if you have a lot of stuff coming to you at at one time, however you like to prioritize, like make a list, figure out what goes at the top of the list and figure out a way to get it done. That's it. It's, it's very simple. And it, as long as you like think about it in that way and stay calm, I think it's, um, it's definitely possible. It certainly is reality. It can be very hectic some days, right? Like I'm working full time trying to get this new venture off the ground. Uh, I'm also, by the way, the coach for my younger daughter's soccer team, and I'm the division coordinator for the soccer league. And I'm the 
you know, I work on the PA for my daughter's school and I'm also a mother. <laughs> and so it's busy. I'm definitely very busy, but, uh, but it's so rewarding and it all is possible as long as you are organized. Now thinking back, you're right though. When my daughter showed interest in technology, you know, a couple of years ago, the first project we gave her was to consolidate our calendars into a family Google calendar. That was her project. But yeah, but then I now looking back, I think our life did become easier because we knew where everybody was, what their plans were, especially when the kids had to be chauffeured. We at least knew one of us had to be available to do that. So yeah, that that is so true. So in, in closing, do you have any advice for women aspiring to be like you? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, I would say be kind to yourself, you know, cut yourself some slack. Not every day is going to be an A plus day and that's okay. Uh, in general, you'll stay on the right path if you, um, if you just stay focused and be kind to yourself. So that's the first thing. The second thing is going back to what I said before, believe in yourself, have confidence, believe you can do it uh, because that's, that's so important. And then finally, the third is, ask for help. You know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Ask other women for help. We want to help. Uh, people want to help and it's okay to ask for help. That's something, frankly, that I'm, I'm personally very bad at. I'm very bad at asking other people for help. And I've learned throughout the course of my life that it, it's an important thing to be able to do and, um, and that you, you'll be surprised if you're not used to doing it. You'll be surprised at people's response. People will help you. Thank you so much, Erin, for your time and all the best with uh, your venture. Yeah, Health Grizzly, follow us on whatever social media platform you prefer. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.